it's fresh, it's for us, and we thank you, God, that you'd open our ears and our eyes of understanding today to receive the word as we've come in faith. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This month we're talking about, you're right, worship. That's right. For some people it's their favorite subject, some people it's not. We're talking about worship. Next month we're talking about prayer. And I trust in our themes we become uh, more passionate, more understanding, more purposeful, more on board uh, because it's about the kingdom coming and preparing us for the way God would cause us to live our lives. And so uh, one of the things in John 3, let's turn to John 3 this morning. I shared a little bit of this message the other day with the Wednesday service, but I think uh, we need to understand worship is for me. I want to be a real worshiper, and I need to have a goal to understand what worship is. And when I do understand what worship is, I will sing louder. However, worship is not all about a slow song. Uh-huh. Worship is not all about a slow song. Worship is not all about singing. It's much more than that. So I'm going to use singing as a bit of a catalyst today, but at the same time, open it up and help us understand here it says, we talked about kingdom, John 3, 3, Jesus said to them, said to him, sorry, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And John 5 goes on and said, most assuredly I say this to you, unless one is born of water spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we must be people who are born again. Born again essentially means that you have had an encounter with God You've decided to reprioritize your life to put God first and attempt to do that. And you have a testimony that you're willing to share about that experience. Uh, That really prioritizes God in your life in such a real way. You're willing to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is real and Lord and Savior of your life now. So being born again is fairly important, uh, what we're talking about here. And what Jesus is saying, I suppose, is you reprioritizing your life in such a real way And an expression uh, of reverence and adoration is actually in your life, no matter which way you live your life. Here we take a look at some of the uh, terminology that we look at when it comes to worship. Worship really is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Uh The highest form of worship essentially is obedience to God. We prayed this year as we gave a prophetic word this year that we wanted to have obedient minds and teachable hearts. Obedient minds and teachable hearts. So worship really is to honor with an extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. That should be underlined there. True worship is a matter of the heart and is expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, If you don't live a life with God's order and priorities in your life, then worship will not be of great importance or value to you. Uh Uh-huh. We worship God because He is actually God, not because we're trying to make Him God. He is God. We're not worshiping God to get His attention. We worship God because we have His attention. So worship is really important. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, true worship is a matter of heart expressed through lifestyle. So we need to, just for a moment, contain our thinking to think that worship is what we do at the start of every service. That's not what it is. That is an expression of worship, but it's not only worship. Is that right? So we worship every day when we decide to put God's priorities. One of the words, Greek words for worship is the word to bow down. So when I actually uh, would worship God, not the person, 
then I may bow down around their life with my attitudes, with my thoughts. I treat them with respect. I treat the person with honor. That's fairly important. When my children were growing up, I had to teach them how to respect and how to honor. How many people know that's not automatic? You have to teach them who to respect. I taught Josh to respect policemen. People say, well, I don't respect policemen. Well, find out on a bad day when you need one, you respect them. <laughs> uh-huh. When they come to your house and say, this burglar just broke in and stuff like that, and I, you feel very safe with a the policeman there. So learning to respect, learning to respect pastors and leaders and community and the politicians, you know, whatever. Learn to respect. It wasn't about who they were respecting sometimes as much as them learning to respect somebody. Some people don't respect anybody, you know. And so this was an attitude of worship to not worship the person, but to worship God because God is a God of order and teaching him to learn how to bow down in front of some people. You're not arrogant and rude to these people. I was invited to a dinner uh, once by the Prime Minister of Australia, Mr. John Howard, and I was encouraged because I was invited personally by him. He wrote me a letter saying, would you come? And I came along and I sat with him and and talked with him. And when I was there, God gave me a prophetic word for him. And I said, wow. And I said, could you get Mrs. Howard? I've got a prophetic word for you. She came over and I spoke the word. And she started to cry and he started to wipe his eyes with with, with tears as I spoke the word of God, which was short. It wasn't criticized. It was encouraging. It was uplifting. Uh, you know, and I told him at the time he was being voted in. I said, you will, you will be voted in at the next election. You don't even have to try. You will be voted in like this. And he's, oh, you know, like that. I said, no, and this is why God is actually doing it. And told him he started to cry. And she, was, she started sobbing over the whole thing in a crowd of people. Were. And so it's holy. It's, it's, I was given that position because I, was, I could bow down before God. You know, you don't need stupid, arrogant people. We need humble people. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But you don't, you've got to practice that. You don't do that in front of people. You practice that, being that with your parents and with your grandparents and so on. So, so worship is really important. So the next slide tells us a little bit more about worship. You're designed to carry the presence of God into impossible situations and experience miracles. You're made to live in faith, bringing heaven to earth to see impossible problems in our society shift and heaven being revealed. You are the salt and light of the world. That's what God was talking about when he actually mentioned that. So our worship is very, very important because it's an expression. And it's an honor with extravagant love and extreme submission in it. So it's not worship is not how much we put in the offering. It's not whether we help out at church. It's not whether we help out at children's church. These are expressions of our worship, but they don't define what worship is. And it's so important that we would understand literally why God has called us to be worshipers. And so we come with a, with a humble heart, with an expectant heart that God, in you I put my trust, in you I want to worship today. And it's a lovely thing. If we bring it back just to thinking about uh, uh, singing, perhaps, just, just thinking about singing. Can everyone see the whiteboard there? If I leave it there, perhaps everyone can see it. And, and I felt the Lord sort of trying to, exp- I tried to figure out how I'm going to talk about today to worship. But it's a little bit like this for a lot of people. And uh, here I'll draw a picture of you down here. This is you. You're important. You sit down there. Uh, but here, and forgive me as I draw God, 
He's, you're made in his image. He's smiling too. He's really happy. Give him shoes and feet and please don't be offended. And I don't want six emails saying you can't draw God properly. <laughs> he loves you. Uh, <laughs> and he's always thinking about you. <laughs> All right, we get that bit. Uh, but the challenge is when it comes to singing, which is a reflection, obviously, of how we prioritize our lives. Uh huh. And we come here on Sunday and we do that. Is sometimes, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but some churches you go to, and I, I went to one with my mum for a, a time, and I noticed something. They all come in like this, and then they sit down. They just sit there. And they're moving their lips sometimes. You ever notice, ever been to a church like that and people sit and uh, before the singing starts or they come early? There's a novel thought <coughs> for some. Come early. <coughs> they don't come to the 1015 service, they come to the 10 to 10 service. And, then, and they, you know, they sit like this. But what are they doing? They're actually confessing their sin. They're saying, God, I'm sorry. I. I messed up this week, and there's a sin of commission and there's a sin of omission, things I did and things I didn't do. And they make peace with God or they clear their heart before God. We don't do that as Pentecostals because we think God's with us all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got no sin. We're awesome. <laughs> and yet the Bible says there, there is sin, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, let's just leave that thought there. But what happens sometimes in people's thinking is there is this stuff... And when it comes to worship a holy God, this is me drawing holiness, uh huh. we're trying to worship a holy God, we feel unworthy of how God would think about us or whether that's okay. What does that look like? It looks like arguing with your wife in the car park. It looks like, you know, something going wrong that morning. It looks like stuff that you've been doing during the week. The Bible talks about sin and then it talks about iniquities, which are two separate things yet in the same basket. We've talked about that. And so there's this distance in our hearts because during the week, whatever it is, we haven't prioritized our life right to worship God. And so therefore, when it comes to the sort of the pointy end of the stick, we really have issues. These issues can be with the church. They can be with your friends. It can be with each other. That's where the Bible even says when you come to do this sort of stuff and bring a gift before the Lord, leave your gift and go and put it right with your friend before God says, I'll accept your gift. Whoa. How intense is that? But I, what I'm saying here today probably more than anything is that sometimes what this looks like, it looks like this. And there's no desire to lift our hands and just to worship and abandon ourselves to God because we feel unworthy to do that. And sometimes our worthiness can look like, uh, you know, a lot of times I've found Christians live guilty. I haven't prayed enough this week. Didn't read my Bible at all. Didn't talk to God. Oh, I've been away. I haven't been coming for a couple of weeks. Oh, there's a service for, you know. Uh, all of these things can, can, the Bible says sin separates us from God. And when it comes to singing, uh, to worship, we don't worship Him in spirit and truth. What we have is Christian karaoke. We sing at Him. Or we just sing songs to feel good. Some people can feel so unworthy of their continuing iniquity. 
in their life. That's the stuff you continue doing even though you know it's wrong. It brings an unworthiness, which in turn brings a separation from God because we don't feel thing. Now, the Bible says, if I confess, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. True? Uh-huh. But when was the last time we spent doing that? Then the Bible says, if you don't like that or you don't want to do that, then just turn to the person beside you and tell them the worst thing about you. Because it says, confess your faults or your sin to one another. Let's do that for a minute. Not getting excited about that. <laughs> a lot easier to talk to God or talk to no one. Then what do you do? You put a cork in the bottle and then the Bible says, surely your sin will find you out because, you know, we don't live in here. We live out there. Uh-huh. But it's, it's, it's really brought under the magnifying glass when it comes to the singing part. It's really brought under the magnifying glass where we go, this is where I'm at with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to, uh, I, don't, I don't tend, just block Taylor's ears for a minute. I don't tend to like the singing part, but I love the worship part. I love being able to worship God. And I know I've got to get my heart right because my worship to me as a Christian is really important. Because nothing reveals your faith like worship. Nothing will reveal your faith like worship. Where you're at, I can tell you exactly where you're at in your life by the way you worship. And I think God can too. It's not a judgment, it's just a reality. I find people who are extravagant in their worship and their praise and their thanksgiving to God, they live a lifestyle where they're trying to keep God number one all the time. They're really trying hard to do that. One of our guys in our church uh, years ago, he was a big guy. I'm talking, he was a big guy. He could, he could grab you by the scruff of the neck. He could grab me by the scruff of the neck and lift me off the ground with his hand. He was only a young bloke, but he was strong as. Hey, he had guns on his guns. He wasn't a muscle. He wasn't a meathead. He was just a strong guy, you know, and, and he could actually do that. When the praise and worship happened, he would, Mark, you'd have to probably shift he would take up, he would stand in here and no one would actually sit near him because he was so extreme. He used to kick chairs over. He'd stand and he'd worship God. He'd shout. He'd jump up on the seat. He'd praise God. He was so extravagant in his worship. And then when the altar call came, like, you know, there's someone here with a such a, he'd come out and he'd fall on the ground. He'd start sobbing and weeping and there'd be a big pool of water on the ground, honestly staining the carpet when he's finished like that because he was just so into serving God. Like he was full on, like in worship. He was uh, at times a challenge to me. He, <laughs> we had our church at uh, Rabina Town Center, Mark, uh, there from the Gold Coast knows that. We had our church at Rabina Town Center. He decided a few times to ride his Harley through the shopping center to bring people to church. Be like riding through the middle of Cairns Central right through to Myers, park outside Myers to drop someone off for church. It was great encouragement. I think I said, I said to him one day, I said, you need to go and tell security that you're sorry that you actually did that, you know. And uh, he said, oh, okay. And he's, you know, he, he always listened to what I said to do. So he goes up to security and he, anyway, he comes back. He's back in about 15 minutes. I said, why are you back so quick? And he goes, well, I went up there and, I, and tried to talk to them, but they wouldn't talk to me. I said, what did you do? And he said, well, they had a little peephole on their door, you know, the security. <laughs> that's security. 
I said, what did you do? He said, I just went up and banged on the door and said, I want to say sorry to you. You know, like this. <laughs> I can imagine there's a whole bunch of them standing in the corner chewing the nails. <laughs> Don't let that guy <laughs> looking through the peephole. You know? <laughs> I said, that's not the way you say sorry, right? <laughs> uh, it was not a very happy day. But his, his passion for God was just... And it wasn't just a Sunday show, it was every day. Just every day. He just used to live that extravagant lifestyle. And he, you know, many times, I, I, oh dear, anyway, these are all good stories, aren't they? I remember walking through a shopping center once, we were at Rabina Town Shopping Center, I'm walking through the shop center, and he's like this, you know? I'm walking, yeah, yeah, you're like this. Walking through the shopping center, and I'm talking to him, next minute he's gone. I think, where did he go? And he's going back, and he's just about to put his hand on the back of this guy's neck and grab him by the shirt like this and drag him to the ground. I just caught his hand. I grabbed his hand. I pulled it off. And what are you doing? He said, God just told me that guy's molesting his daughter. <laughs> and I said, it's not your job <laughs> to rip someone's head off that's doing that, you know. And uh, I said, you've got to calm down. Let's calm down. He was very passionate. But you know what? He learned to hone. I, I, I discipled him for many, many years, many years. used to disciple him and just get him down, just to disciple him and, and, and say, no, this is how you need to gear your passion when it comes to worship. And we had to clear a lot of sin out of the road, a lot of sin. Uh, he, he got a job at 4 o'clock in the morning. He said, you're causing trouble where you are. Move in with us. So he moved in with us, lived with us uh, for a period of time. I used to get up at 4 o'clock every morning. He'd make his breakfast. And uh, off he go, off he go to work. And the guy, where he got this job was I don't know if you know this story, but Cheech and Chong, you know that that movie. Yeah, they used to turn up. It was like Cheech and Chong. They'd open the the van door, and smoke would just come out everywhere. <laughs> just smoke. <laughs> it's like you guys are smoking joints on the way to work. I don't, you couldn't see inside the van. And he'd hop in, you know, like this, and he's breathing all that, you know. <laughs> But he got this job, and he used to just do this every day. And he said, I'm not going to go with those guys. I'm going to walk to work. So he used to walk for nearly an hour and a half to work every day because he just didn't want to be with those guys. But then one day he was walking, and God spoke to him, and he got a lift with them, and he got them both saved on that day. Hey, I led both of them to Jesus. Then I used to look down the windows sometimes, and they'd open the door. There's no smoke. <laughs> they're, they're worshiping God now. Everything's okay, you know. So these are wonderful testimonies of the goodness of God. But as we wrap up today, the question is, does everyone know what I'm talking about? We get this here, and we've got to go, God, how do I get rid of that? So every Sunday, I'm not just bunging it on. That, that just heaps up this sin on top of my life and just, you know, compounds it all. Before long, I don't even feel worthy enough to come to church. But God, there's a way of getting rid of this. So every Sunday I can come and I can just lift my hands up and I say, God, I thank you for your blood still works over my life. Your healing still works over my life. God, that you forgive me of sin because we've talked about this. You know that stuff, God, between you and me? We've talked about that. And today I come and God says, yeah, I can see your heart. I look on your heart and it's going to be okay. And he comes to heal us and to help us. And that's a wonderful thing so that when someone leads the worship, just example, then I think this sort of lifestyle is, is seen in our volume of our worship. 
seen in the volume of our praise. And when I say volume, I just don't mean volume only. I mean the volume of our worship. See how much we prioritize God in our life. He doesn't have to bring us to our knees. He can. But it's wonderful when you can start to say, God, I want to worship you in spirit and truth. And then he goes on in Romans and he says this in Romans 6. He says this. He says, how I want you to present yourself to me, God says, as if you've been raised from the dead. And I think my mate had it right. He presented himself to God like he'd been raised from the dead every time. He was so thankful, so exuberant, so, you know, you never had to say, Taylor, come on, let's really worship God. He was like, you didn't say that because you're nervous about what was about to happen. <laughs> but that, that was his passion. And I know over the years that's been my passion. He said to me one day, Pastor Stuart, I think you're the only guy that actually gets me. I said, that's okay. That's okay. We were able to talk like that because we could talk about this sort of stuff. What this looks like, he knew what that looked like, and he knew what this looked like. But he also knew what it was like to have an open heaven between him and God, that he made peace with God. Not just once on an altar call, but every day because he walked with God. I talked to him, I talked to him about how to walk with God. Like this. And don't let these things, because many of these things, you can, you can have an issue with me. And, and it will cause this to happen. And it will stop your worship. You can have an issue with the church. You can have an issue with the person beside you. And it will stop the worship. And you know who's clapping then? You're not clapping God. The devil's clapping. He's won. He's won because we've allowed it. Remember, go, let's go back to what I first said. Let's put the first slide up. Let's put the second one. Uh, that's the one. Worship really is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. A lifestyle of holiness is prioritizing, saying, God, am I going to let you be first? Worship isn't a slow song, but it can be. The highest form of worship, I'm recapping, is our obedience to God. The start of that, how that happens, is are you born again? If you're born again, you'll see the kingdom of God, and then you'll enter it. If not, we're just a spectator and we stand on the outside. We sing Christian karaoke. And the strength of the church lacks, lacks strength. Church lacks strength and we don't do that. I sometimes people, you know, worship, oh, you know, Taylor will be leading so wonderfully and I'll come in late and I'll watch people. Oh, look, that lady's got a new hat on over there. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, that guy's got a new shirt on. Gee, the carpet's a bit dirty. I haven't seen it, you know. Before long, we're so distracted from worshiping God. How do we get there? Today, I want to finish by giving you an opportunity that 
you would say, God, I want, I want to worship you and you alone. To do that, if I say that, I'm going to have to perhaps, perhaps reprioritize some of my life in holiness. Lifestyle of holiness. But God, I realized today, maybe for the first time, second time or fifth time, that I, I want to be someone who you can use, you can move through, who you can continue to move through because I choose to worship. Worship is corporate, but yet it's very personal. Worship can be seen. It's very visible. Not just because of my old mate, just because of how we prioritize God in our life. So when it comes to seeing, so I want to give you an opportunity today as a church in the style of an altar call, because I always believe in every church you have disciples and you have a crowd. Every church. And that's okay. But I hope that a lot of the crowd are converting to disciples. But today, if you say before God, God, I want to continue in this covenant relationship with you, worshiping you, and I want to reprioritize or I want to keep the priorities that I have because they are godly, hopefully. Many of us are prioritizing that way. Then I want you in a moment as, as the team lead the worship for you to come and stand at the front Say, God, as for me and my house, we're going to worship you. If you're a single person, we've got a few moments left before the children come. Two things that God is attracted to as we do this. He's attracted to faith. The second thing that God is attracted to is a broken and a contrite heart. Somewhere we'll be in there. Say, God, I want to worship you in spirit and truth. This isn't all about a teaching. This is about activating our faith before God. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you, Father, today there is things, as strange as it may seem, that would stand between you and me and me and you in worshiping. But God, I'm continually going to choose not to let them take their place because you're more important than that. You're most important. And today, God, as I come forward closer to you, I'm going to acknowledge again that, God, I want to keep it clean. I want to keep it real. I want to keep it right so that we can continually to walk in a loving relationship, a covenant relationship together. What I'm saying today, God, is as I come is I'm in. Count me in. If I bring my wife or bring my husband, count us in. If I come as an individual, count me in, God. If I come as a family, count us in. In Jesus' name.